Devontae's got it. He gets by Slay to the pylon for the end zone. Touchdown for Aaron Rodgers. He's the fastest of 400 in NFL history. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Well, not an ideal Wisconsin sports weekend. Not ideal, but not a total catastrophe. Right? We got it together by the end. The Packers did win yesterday. They beat the Eagles 30-16. to Of course, you know that, but you also probably know that the Badgers lost on Saturday and the other Badgers, the Badger basketball team, lost on Friday. We were in danger of going 0-3 on the weekend. That, that would not have been a good vibe coming into today's show. I'm glad I don't have to do the 0 for 3 show today. I'm glad I don't have to talk about three losses, about how the Badgers basketball team lost to Marquette and how the Badgers football team, they look like a shell of themselves. They lost to Indiana. They didn't even score a touchdown. And then, oh my God, the Packers lose to the Eagles and are they soft and the Eagles are terrible and how did Mike Pettin let this happen and Rodgers and... Glad we don't have to do that, right? This is a drastically different show. A 1-3 weekend is drastically different than an 0-3 weekend. It's very, very, very different. So I'm thankful for the Packers. I know Thanksgiving was a couple weeks ago, but as long as we're being honest, very thankful for the Green Bay Packers and their ability to get a win yesterday because we were looking at a bleak weekend. 0 for 3, that would have been... Oh, that would have been tough. Hope you had an excellent weekend. Got a chance to watch some college football, some NFL football, some Badgers basketball. Now they have a postponement this week. So even though they lost on Friday, hold on to that feeling because it's going to be a couple of days until we get some more Badgers hoops. One and three on the weekend. It could be worse. Could be worse. Let's talk about it. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Thank you for tuning in. I hope your week is off to a good start, right? We do have some positivity to talk about today. It's it's not all lost. And, and I think Badger fans, I think you're going to like my approach to the Badgers today because I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to be upset. I mean, that, that's just not reasonable. I'm reasonable. I'm nothing if I'm not understanding and patient with my sports teams. You know this. So I'm actually going to defend the Badgers on a lot of fronts today, especially the football team. I'm not going to rip into the basketball team either, but I, I'm a little bit more forgiving with the football team, maybe for reasons that you'd expect. They've had some cancellations. Some players opt out, right? So we're going to cover all the nuance that goes with the Badger football team and the Badger basketball team. We'll transition to talk Badgers coming up at 4.30. But for now, I want to start with the Packers because they were the one team that got a win this weekend. So I feel like they deserve to go first, right? That that seems fair. You get a win, you go first. And of course, if you want to share your opinion, you're always welcome, whether it's on the Badgers or the Packers, or maybe you want to call in and just complain that the Bears lost because that would be funny too. 608-796-2558. That's the talk and text line. You can text me anytime. I'll open up the phones here in about 10 or 12 minutes uh, if you want to start calling in. And of course, if you're on Twitter and you waste your life away on that website like I do, you can tweet at me at Wisco Grant. Okay, fun game yesterday. At halftime, it, it felt like we might be in for another Lambo blowout, right? It felt we were right there. We were on the edge of it. We were on the precipice. Right, The Packers scored 14 in the second quarter. They were up 14-3 to three at half, getting the ball out of halftime. And I just had that feeling like, you know, this could get this could get fun in the second half. This could get out of hand quickly. And only a week after the Packers let things get out of hand against the Bears. I mean, come on. We would have been spoiled. Two blowouts in seven days would have felt really, really good. We were almost treated to another Lambeau Field blowout. And other than the first drive in the first half, the first half was flawless. Rodgers was 13 for 14 with 160 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. 
Matt LaFleur is scheming guys open like an artist, right? Like Jackson Pollock just slapping paint on a canvas. LaFleur's like drag route, post route, bootleg, play action, a mesh concept, just one after another, just calling up plays like it's his day job, which I guess it, it technically is. Matt LaFleur was scheming dudes open, and Aaron Rodgers was just dropping the ball in the bucket. Right, there were a couple beautiful balls in that first half, including the one to Devontae Adams from his own end zone. That that actually might have been in the second half. But you get my point, right? Rodgers was near flawless in the first half. But then after halftime, we had some drops. Our our good friends, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Equinemius St. Brown, underwhelmed a little bit. So we had some drops, uh, some three and outs offensively. There were some lapses to put it nicely, on special teams, giving up another punt return touchdown, and leaving J.K. Scott out to dry. Just a bad look for Sean Menenga and the Packers special teams. And then there were some defense lapses, too, like giving up a touchdown on 4th and 18. Game was uglied up a little bit in the second half. So a flawless first half, even with a slow start. And then an uglier second half, but still good enough. That's how we arrived to a final score of 30-16. to 16. It Sounds right, right? Like, this game ended the way it was supposed to end. The final score reflects how this game went. Like, there's no confusion in this game at all, right? Beautiful in the first half, outside of the first drive. Eh, fine, but a little ugly in the second half, but some good plays, and that's how you arrive at a score of 30-16. to Makes perfect sense. If you were to not watch the game and just look at the box score, just look at the final score, you would understand this game completely. That's how we arrive at a score of 30-16, to a 14-point win for the Packers. Eagles move to 3-8-1, and the Packers move to 9-3. and Okay, so we got our arms around this thing. Now, what do we want to dig into? What do we want to discuss? Here's what I don't want to talk about. Here's what we're not going to get into today, other than right now. I want to put, a, I want to put an end to this. I want to put this to bed, okay? We are not going to talk about Marquez Valdez-Scantling and his drop, Equinemius St. Brown and his quote-unquote drop. He more alligator-armed the ball on third down. We're not going to talk about MBS. We're not going to talk about EQ. And we're not going to talk about the draft and how the draft in 2020 netted a quarterback, a halfback, and an H-back instead of a potential wide receiver. We're not doing this debate today. Now, I'm going to address it right now, but this is not turning into a debate. I will not be hearing your input. I will not be hearing rebuttals or, or counter cases. No, not going to hear any of it. Because what I realized this weekend is that Packer fandom is broken. We are so divided, and we have lost our ability to use logic and reason when it comes to talking about the Packers wide receivers not named Al Lazard or Devontae Adams. We've lost our ability to use logic and reason when talking about Jordan Love and the 2020 draft and quote-unquote weapons or lack of weapons or maybe help on the defensive line or help at linebacker. We have lost our ability to intelligently converse, right? We're broken. We're busted. Most Packer fans fall into one of two categories. Most Packer fans believe in one of these two schools of thought. School of thought number one, MVS and Equinemia St. Brown are perfect. The Packers were right to not draft another weapon. Green Bay all the way. Let's go. Go Pack go. That logic is flawed. Okay? That's school of thought number one. School of thought number two. MVS and EQ are terrible. And the Packers shouldn't have drafted Jordan Love or A.J. Dillon because they needed another weapon. This logic is also flawed. Right? We get so pent up in our little silo of MVS and EQ. Yay, yay. Oh, they can block. Or we get so pent up in our silo of MVS and EQ are a waste of space and they should be cut and they're terrible and the Packers draft is stupid and it's dumb. Right, Both of those ways of thinking are flawed. Right, It is without nuance. It's without perspective completely. Let me give you some advice. It's okay to be excited about Jordan Love. 
and the potential of Jordan Love while also accepting that this 2020 draft is not helping this team at all in 2020. It's perfectly okay to recognize that. And I haven't heard any Packer fans say that. I said this to Ty Dunn, who joined us. He just started his own project, Go Long. He's been at Bleacher Report, the Journal Sentinel. We talked to him on Friday. And we addressed this, right? It's okay to be bummed that the Packers don't have, say, Chase Claypool or T. Higgins and realize that they, they could maybe use another weapon that would help them this year. It's okay to realize that while also realizing that, well, if they hit on Jordan Love, man, they're set for another 15 years. It's okay to understand both. It's not black or white. It's not either or, right? It's okay to accept that, for example, T. Higgins or Chase Claypool could have helped this team while also cheering for MVS because MVS does play for the Packers. Packers are our team, right? We're, we're Packers fans. It's okay to understand that the Packers could be better while also cheering for our guy, Marquez Valdez-Scaling. This is a very nuanced situation. Right? And sports fandom isn't exactly rich with nuance. Right? We're fanatics. We're very emotional. We yell. We pound the desk. We cry and drink cigars. Or drink cigars. Drink cigars and smoke smoke liquor when our team wins. You, you get the point. Right? And so we have to see it both ways. We can be excited about Jordan Love while also realizing, ah, maybe, maybe they could have used a wide receiver in the draft this year. Maybe they could have used a defensive lineman. Look, whatever you believe, realize, understand, and admit this. MVS... And his drops and his issues are a problem. And it could very well cost them in a big game. It cost them in Indy. It hasn't cost them other than Indy, right? They've had some issues. MBS has had drop issues. He had a big drop yesterday. You need to you need to understand that that drop is a big deal. When he dropped that pass, didn't you just go, oh, felt like he got kicked in the junk. Kicked right in between the legs. It sucked all the air out of Lambeau. And the look on Aaron Rodgers' face said it all. Right Now, I don't want to do the draft debate today. I don't want to do the MBS debate today. That's why I'm addressing it here and now. And we're going to move on. Understood? Understood. Cool. Here's what I do want to talk about today. Aaron Rodgers was amazing yesterday. He was amazing yesterday. And I said this last week and I stand by it. I do not praise Aaron Rodgers on this show just to praise Aaron Rodgers on the show. If I'm talking about how Aaron Rodgers is playing well or had a great game, it's because he played well and had a great game. Right? I think the media sometimes, especially the national media, they just blindly play, praise Aaron Rodgers. Right? Oh, he's an all-time great, two-time MVP. Even if he's not playing all that well, if he's not playing up to his contract. He's playing up to his contract right now, and he's playing at an MVP level. Yesterday was possibly the best game I've seen him play all year. And the final stat line maybe doesn't reflect that 25-34 for 295 and three touchdowns. It's, it's, it could be better. But I don't think that line fully reflects how great he was yesterday. I watched the game with some friends, and at halftime, I was looking around the living room going, uh... Like, are you guys seeing this, by the way? You see, Rodgers is 13 for 14 for 160 yards and two touchdowns. He's perfect. He's just dropping the ball in a bucket. Looked amazing, especially in the first half. And unfortunately, in the second half, dealt with some drops, some three and outs. There was a special teams kerfuffle. Let's say the Packers allow a punt return touchdown. So the game got uglied up a little bit. Aaron Rodgers was phenomenal yesterday. And he was dropping balls in buckets, including his 400th career touchdown. That went to Devontae Adams. He reached 400 touchdowns faster than any quarterback in NFL history, and he did so throwing only 88 interceptions. We'll talk about that more coming up. That is so much better than, say, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, or Peyton Manning, or Brett Favre. It's not close. Rodgers was amazing yesterday. And if you didn't look at the stats and you just watched the game, you would know it. Although his stats, not too bad either. It's like his fourth or fifth game in a row with a passer rating over 100. Rodgers was great yesterday. That should be a big focus as we go throughout this week. Another thing to focus on. Special team, special team. When the Packers first fired Sean Slocum, and then who was the, God, I can see his face. 
Who was the last special teams coordinator under Mike McCarthy? Coached at Illinois. I'm going to write it down. You know who I'm talking about. They've always had bad special teams. They've had bad special teams for the last decade. And it's frustrating, right? Especially because I'm going to wake up at 2 in the morning and remember who's special teams coordinator under Mike McCarthy. He's like, I can picture his face, but I can't remember his name right now. Ron Zook. Thank you very much. Ron Zook. That's who it was. They've always been bad on special teams. And this year they've been fine. But the last couple of weeks, they've been trash. And special teams are a problem. He's a problem. It was clear yesterday. You know how I know the special teams were a problem yesterday? Because Mike Pettin didn't come across like the worst coordinator on the Packers staff. That's how I know the special teams were a problem. Because if coordinators are making Mike Pettin look good, there's an issue. There's an issue with special teams. Not only giving up the punt return for a touchdown, but without Tyler Irvin, they are hopeless. They're hopeless. And Tyler Irvin was a waiver wire pickup. What does that say about their depth and skill on special teams? And organization on special teams or coaching on special teams. Special teams make a difference in close games, in important games. Let's think, I don't know, the the most important game that the Packers have played in the last 10 years. Let's think about the NFC Championship game. The last time they played in an NFC Championship game that was actually close. Oh, the Seattle game in 2014, where they failed to recover an onside kick and lost a field goal. Where they they lost on a fake field goal. Oh yeah, those are two pretty big plays against a good team in a big game, right? Special teams, pretty important, don't you think? What about Super Bowl 31 when Desmond Howard won Super Bowl MVP? I'd say special teams were pretty important in that game. Look at the game between the Patriots and the Chargers yesterday. The Patriots historically have great special teams. They have Matthew Slater, who's the one special teams player that everybody in the country knows, despite only playing special teams. The Chargers were garbage, and they always have been garbage for the last 10 years on special teams. Oh, and what was the final score of that game? 45 to nothing. Special teams matter. They might not matter against the Eagles in week 13 or whatever week it is week 12 I don't even know I get lost Packers are nine and three with a bye so that makes it week 13 special teams need to be better in big important games need to be that's another big takeaway and one other thing a positive thing to focus on today we'll do it we'll do a compliment sandwich with the Packers we'll compliment Rodgers hate on the special teams and now let's show some love to Darnell Savage and Rashawn Gary the the first round draft mates first round pick mates from a couple of years ago. Looking pretty good. I'm not going to hate on Rashawn Gary. I'm not going to hate on Darnell Savage. I don't put a lot of stock into the Packers getting seven sacks yesterday. There were a couple that were sacks. Aaron Rodgers referred to it as an Elvis sack, where the quarterback really doesn't get sacked. He just scrambles and barely gets back to the line of scrimmage. Right? I don't put a lot of stock into the Packers getting seven sacks yesterday. The Philly offensive line is terrible. And Carson Wentz is garbage. I think Petten realized at some point that he didn't even really need to get to Carson Wentz. He just needed to get bodies in the backfield and Carson Wentz do the rest and melt down, which he did, right? But Gary has looked a lot better, and Darnell Savage is showing some ball skills, right? What did I say last week about Darnell Savage? He just needs to make the easy plays, the plays that are there to be made. He did that last week, and he snagged a pretty nice ball yesterday to essentially close the game. That was a slick play. Good for Darnell Savage like to see him taking the next step in year two. Let's take a break. I want to tell you about big plays. Big plays, big plays, big plays. We talked about this last week. I said the Packers need to create more big plays. They got one yesterday in Aaron Jones' 77-yard touchdown. And I'm going to explain to you why that play was so, so important in this game. It might have been lost on you, but don't worry. Don't worry. I, I, I picked up on it, and it builds directly off our conversation we had last week. Big plays are so important. I'll explain why coming up next. More of the Wisco Sports Show talking two Badgers losses, one Packers win. One and three on the weekend, not terrible.
Could have been worse. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Hope your week is off to a good start. Right? Hope you diehard Badger fans didn't have your weekend ruined. Badger's going 0 for 2. That, a tough weekend to be a to be a Badger fan. Packers bailed us out with a win on Sunday, so we did have some positivity this weekend, Wisconsin sports fans. Talking about the Packers for a couple more minutes, and we are going to get into Badgers football coming up in 10 minutes. And I understand, for those of you diehard listeners to the show, where you don't miss a minute, nothing gets past you. Yeah, I, I'm well aware I had some terrible, terrible, inaccurate Badger takes on Friday. My bad. I will admit it. I will own up to it. I will do so coming up at 530. I'm not going to do it yet. Right, we're going to get to Badger basketball coming up at 5.30, and I will take my lumps. I will admit where I was wrong. I am not too proud. I, I have enough humility, enough honesty to admit where I was wrong. I will do that coming up at 5.30. I have a big grand apology plan to you all because I, uh, your, your Facebook messages and your tweets showed me that you were not happy with me on Friday. So I want to make amends. I want to regain your trust. Uh, this is a two-way street here, so I will, uh, <laughs> I will apologize for my trash takes. Coming up at 5.30. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can text me, 608-796-2558. And you can tweet at me, at Wisco Grant as well. Lots of ways to get in touch with the show. Okay, big plays. Let's talk about big plays. Aaron Jones had a 77-yard carry yesterday. I'd say that's a pretty big play. A big play that we haven't really seen from the Packers, except maybe, you know, that home run carry also by Aaron Jones against the Lions back in week two back when there was more than two hours of sunshine a day. It feels like years ago, right? The Packers move the ball, and they have an efficient offense, an effective offense, but they don't necessarily hit a lot of home runs. And last week, I argued that the Packers need more big plays, need to score quickly. And some of you scoffed at me. You said, Grant, why would they want to score quickly? Why would they need big plays? That would just put their defense back out on the field. The Packers should want to dominate time of possession, and they should want to keep that offense on the field as much as possible. And I don't disagree with that sentiment. That's accurate. I think if the Packers have five drives, I would like for three or four of them to be uh, substantive. If they have five drives, I would love for three or four of those drives to take a couple of minutes, give the defense a rest, right? Allow the Packers to dominate time of possession. That's part of the Matt LaFleur path to victory. Wasn't that way under Mike McCarthy, but under Matt LaFleur and the way this defense is built, the Packers need to win time of possession, play from a lead. And I do agree. Yes, the Packers need to eat up clock. But every once in a while, you need to hit a home run. You need it. And when I made this argument last week, some of you scoffed at me. And yesterday's game is an amazing example, an amazing case study of the power of the big play. Like, you know that uh, commercial for Pine Saw? Where the lady at the end is like, that's the power of Pine Saw, baby. Like that yesterday's game, that's the power of the big play. All right. Let's start with the Eagles because both teams gave us an example yesterday of why the big play is so, so important. Okay. The Eagles yesterday through the first quarter were dominating the game. And kudos to Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press Gazette, friend of show. He pointed this out at the end of the first quarter in a tweet, a tweet that I will read you now at by Ryan Wood. The Eagles dominated that first quarter in almost every way. Six first downs to just one for the Packers. 40 more yards, 50 more rushing yards. The Packers fortunate that it's just 3-0 and on the scoreboard and getting the ball to start the second half. This, this, 100 times this. This is the evidence we're looking for. The Eagles dominated the first quarter. They ran the ball all over the Packers. They ate up the clock. They had way more yards, way more first downs, and the score was 3-0. That's it. The Eagles had three points to show for their first quarter domination. Why? 
is because they didn't have any big plays. They didn't hit any home runs. The Eagles were using every play to move the sticks. It's okay. First and 10 to second and eight to third and five. And then on third and five, they'd pick up five or six yards, just barely crawling up and down the field. And the Eagles, who were keeping Aaron Rodgers on the sideline, moving the sticks, moving the ball, at the end of the first quarter, they only had three points to show for it because they didn't hit any home runs. Just would have taken one big play, and all of a sudden the Eagles are up 10 to nothing. Eagles are up 13 to nothing. You understand what I mean, right? So the Eagles gave us a huge example of why you need big plays. But so did the Packers yesterday. Look at the Packers' second half. And I'm going to get up the play-by-play chart in front of me to make sure I have this correct. The first half for the Packers, they had a rough first quarter, as I just explained. But they scored two touchdowns in the second quarter. They looked It looked easy. They made it look easy. They were moving the ball everywhere. Then after halftime, the Packers go three and out right away. They do score a touchdown on their next drive. But then they go field goal. And then they give up a touchdown. And then they give up a punt return touchdown. And then they go three and out. Not exactly an ideal second half, right? They went three and out twice, including at two of the most inopportune times, right out of the half and right after giving up a punt return touchdown. Very lackluster. Very disappointing in the second half from the Packers yesterday. And if the Eagles were a little bit better, maybe the Packers end up losing because of it. But it didn't matter. Those two three and outs didn't matter. That punt return touchdown didn't matter. And this game ended up being a 14-point game. Why? Because Aaron Jones housed one from 77 yards away. That was the only play in the second half that mattered. Because the Packers had a lead, they were dominating time of possession, they were allowed to make mistakes. They were allowed to go three and out a couple of times. They even gave up a freebie touchdown, an untouched punt return touchdown that once again made J.K. Scott look like a little boy. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter whatsoever because Aaron Jones took the ball from 77 yards out and took it all the way to the end zone, including David Bakhtiari streaking down the field at a million miles an hour to throw blocks. MBS, you know, streaking down the field to throw blocks. Imagine David Bakhtiari coming at you full tilt. I think I'd just get out of the way. I'd be like, no, I don't. If if I played for the Eagles, I'd be like, one, I don't get paid enough for this. Two, we're not going to make the playoffs. And three, I'm not trying to become like a piece of gum on the sidewalk. Because if if David Bakhtiari hits you full speed, that's what you become. You become a, a skid mark on the Lambeau Field turf. And it was that 77-yard run from Aaron Jones blocked by MVS, blocked by Marquez Valdez-Scantling. That was the only play that mattered in the second half. Big plays. They're powerful. Power of the big play. Think of a big play like deodorant, right? Or, or like cheap Axe body spray, right? Like I can get up in the morning. Oh, damn, I'm late for work. I'm going to brush my teeth really quickly. I don't have time to take a shower. I don't have time to comb my hair, put a hat on, and put some, put some deodorant on. That's a big play. That's a 77-yard touchdown run. You can make a lot of mistakes. I don't comb my hair. I don't take a shower. But if I have a little deodorant, okay, I can get through the day. Right, I can, I can get by. A big play covers up a lot of mistakes. Right, if Aaron Jones takes a, a, a run 70 yards in every game, the Packers are going to be tough to beat. Because they can make a lot of mistakes, but if they're housing touchdowns from 77 yards away, or in the case of the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, another great example last night. The Chiefs were moving the ball, and the Broncos aren't very good, but the Chiefs didn't have any huge touchdown plays. Like, Tyreek Hill had a couple of chances, and I know because I own him in fantasy. Tyreek Hill had a couple of chances down the field. He lost one ball in the lights. He dropped another one, ended up catching it, but they didn't review it. And then another one was brought back on a holding play. And for those reasons, the game ended up actually being close. Right? Anybody who watched that game between the Chiefs and the Broncos last night, we all know that the Chiefs are way better, that the Chiefs played better. But it was close because no home runs for Kansas City. That makes a difference. 
Sometimes it's as simple as that. If you can hit one big play, you're really tough to beat. And as good as the Packers run the ball and pass the ball, especially if they're protecting Aaron Rodgers, if they can get one big play a game or every once in a while, they are really, really tough to beat. And Aaron Jones' run in the second half showed that yesterday. I want to get into Badger football. I'm actually not that mad about Saturday's loss. I'm understanding, all right? I'm a patient, understanding sportsman. I'll explain why I'm okay with that loss. Coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. Thanks for hanging out. My name is Grant Bills. We're just reacting, recovering maybe a little bit from a, a pretty tough Wisconsin sports weekend. The Badgers going over two. Packers saved us. Packers bailed us out, although didn't exactly take a whole lot to beat that Eagles team yesterday. We also have a Monday night football doubleheader. Washington, the football team, playing the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. I'm a, I'm a football team fan. This is a football team show. I, I'm weirdly coming around on the name. I think it'd be kind of funny if they kept it. It'd be unique. Got to give it that. The football team. I could be behind that. It's 0-0. Pittsburgh's going to win like 11-8. And and Steelers fans can be like, undefeated. Quit hating. Ah, we're going to hate. Sorry, Ste- we're going to hate on you Steelers fans. Like Ben Roethlisberger's old, right? Def- defense doesn't win championships despite what people say. I'm, I'm a little sick of the Steelers. We talked about this last week, but. I'll update you as that game rolls along. In the meantime, I want to get into Badgers football. We'll get back into the Packers. Don't worry. Back at 5 o'clock, we'll get back into the Packers and hear from Aaron Rodgers, talk about some of the milestones that he hit uh, and Devontae Adams' brilliance and all that. There's a lot of good stuff to talk about from yesterday. There's also some bad, as our friend Jason texts in and says, I think actual meat Packers should handle the special teams duties. Yeah, I think so too, Jason. They might do a better job. I think you're right about that. 608-796-2558. That's the talk and text line. And of course, you can tweet at me, at Wisco Grant, we'll get back into the, the Packers. We need to cover some some more difficult topics, like the Badgers football team. They lost to Indiana this weekend, and it was not pretty. It was not a fun game. The silver lining was the game only took about six hours because college football games take forever. I was so exhausted on, on Saturday. I just, well, why do these games have to take so long? Commercial breaks are all like seven minutes, half times an hour. What are we, what are we doing? I, I know some people like sitting down and watching college football for their entire Saturday. I'll be honest, I don't. I like doing other things with my Saturday. Occasionally, I like going for a walk, right? I like going outside, going for a hike. I live in a beautiful, the lacrosse area is beautiful, as is the Madison area. Go out by the lake. I don't like sinking my entire Saturday into watching college football games. And all these games take like six hours apiece. It's a little exhausting, especially when your team wins 14 to six and your team doesn't score a touchdown. The Badgers lose to Indiana. And for, for perspective here, just to, to paint a full picture, I know the season's been long and, and very up and down and start and stop quite literally. Wisconsin scored 45 points in week one, took two weeks off, scored uh, 49 points in week four, then seven points in week five, and then six yesterday in what amounts to week seven. As I read you that season update, two things should jump out to you very obviously. Number one, there's a huge offensive disparity from the early games to now, and there's a lot of missed games. They missed two in between the Michigan and the Illinois game, and then they missed the Minnesota game in between Northwestern and Indiana. The lack of offense and the stop and start, the cancel games, those two things are very much related. And I'm not here to make excuses. I'm not, I'm not, every team's dealing with COVID. Every team's dealing with start and stop. I'm not making excuse, excuses for the Badgers. I'm just making explanations, right? I, that's all I'm doing. It, they're explanations, not excuses. And I saw some folks on Twitter on Saturday losing it 
losing it. And Colton Bartholomew, who writes for the State Journal, I thought it was funny, in his write-up of this game, talking about Paul Christ, he hasn't been calling the plays, he just included a bunch of these tweets of people melting down, freaking out. Same old Wisconsin. Paul Christ will never get us over the top. Graham Mertz is a bust, blah, 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 blah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's, it's, it's exhausting, really. We, as Wisconsin fans, just love to overreact. We loved it. People overreacted to the Marquette game on Friday, even though that game in the grand scheme of things is meaningless unless you're a Marquette fan, right? People lost their minds after the Indiana game. I had one friend in a group text. I'm pretty sure he was intoxicated. Hope he was intoxicated. Sent into this group chat that this loss was an embarrassment to the state of Wisconsin. An embarrassment. I, I don't know about that. I mean, I don't really feel embarrassed. I feel bummed that my team lost. I feel bummed for these players because their season's certainly not going the way that they'd like. But a, an, an, an embarrassment for the state of Wisconsin? Sheesh. Let's take a, take a chill pill. Have a drink of water. Maybe sit down for a second and think about this. The, in the grand scheme of things, this game means it means very little. And I, I don't mean to devalue these games. I, I don't mean to tell you they don't matter. But essentially, we are playing games right now for the sake of playing games. That's why Ohio State is going to find a way into the Big Ten Championship. And that's why Wisconsin's probably going to end up playing Minnesota. is because we're making these rules up as we go. And once Wisconsin lost to Northwestern, the number of games that they had played and their win-loss and their head-to-head with, with the Wildcats, it just wasn't going to happen. They weren't going to get into the Big Ten Championship. And therefore, they really didn't have a shot at the college football playoff. And therefore, these games, we're playing games to play games. To put a product on TV so these kids have an opportunity to compete and strut their stuff. Right to get a couple last games in if they're seniors. And to prepare for the draft if that's the next step in their career. That's really why we're playing these games. We're playing games to play games. And as a sports fan, I like that, right? I like being able to watch my team. I like that these players have a chance to play and these parents have an opportunity to go and watch. It, it's, it's good, right? But not if we overreact to it, not if we lose our minds, not if we think that a meaningless game against Indiana, when the Badgers are two and two, two and two, they played four games. The season started like two months ago. They played four games. This is not an embarrassment to the state of Wisconsin. It's not old, same old Wisconsin. It's not Paul Christ's fault. It's a bummer. But it's, it's none of those things. Let's take a pill. I feel bad for Paul Christ. I feel bad for Joe Rudolph. And I feel bad for this offense. Not because they're not big boys and they're not professionals. Because I, I know they're not feeling sorry for themselves. But I do as a fan. It's a bummer. Because imagine the circumstances that Paul Christ and his offense are battling every single week. Think of from the start of the season to now. All the things that they have had to battle and try to overcome. Brand new quarterback. It was a little bit of a surprise because Jack Cohen got hurt. It's, it's not like we were planning for the last year to have Graham Mertz, right? Now, maybe Graham Mertz was the rightful starter, but it, it certainly wasn't a lock. It wasn't planned. That was a wrench thrown in the Badgers' wheel. New running backs because you graduate Jonathan Taylor, and then Danny Davis gets hurt. Okay, great. After Quintez Cephas graduates, right? And we had Aaron Cruikshank going to Rutgers. Like, there's been some transition on the offense. And then you do all your meetings over Zoom. You have a truncated offseason, a season that we thought was canceled. Now it's not canceled, right? They, they stop their season twice. They take two weeks off. They come back. Then they take another week off. They've had three missed games total, two pauses. How are you supposed to build an offense? And how is a young quarterback supposed to learn? And how is a unit offensively supposed to improve and build week to week? Start and stop. Start and stop. Oh, this player's now gone. This player's now hurt. Oh, the offensive line's shuffling around. Oh, take this week off. Nobody, nobody meets except for Zoom. No practices. Okay, we're back. Okay, now we're off. How, how, are you, how are you supposed to do that? Once again, not making excuses, just making explanations. I'm just explaining what happened on Saturday. Because the way I see it, this Badger team is really good. Paul, Chris, and Joe Rudolph are brilliant offensive minds. 
I think Graham Mertz is a really good quarterback, and I think they have some players on this offense. There is no other way to explain a 45-point performance against Illinois, a 49-point performance against Michigan, and since, one offensive touchdown. One. But I don't think there's any other way to explain it. Now, I've never played the game of football per se. I've played some seven-on-seven, played some intramurals, right? But I've never, I've never played actual football. But I, but I don't think I'm reaching here. Building an offense is a little bit like building a brick wall, right? You're constantly adding and stacking new ideas on top of the ideas you've already built, right? You start at ground level. Okay, we're going to start with these concepts. And then once you have a concept, you can you branch off. We're going to run this concept and do it out of this formation. Or we're going to disguise this formation to look like this, but instead we're going to do this. And then you keep building on top of that and you keep adding and it gets more complex. And then when the players learn it better, you can add new wrinkles and it's just building and building. It's like a brick wall. You're going level up, level up, level up, or, or like a tree, right? You build one branch, and then you can build branches off of that branch. You're constantly building on what you've already done. And it's got to be difficult to try to grow and build an offense, especially with a young quarterback, when you're constantly starting over at square one. Constantly. You're just hitting the reset button. Oh, you look great against Illinois? Oh, take two weeks off. Okay, start again at square one. Oh, you look great against Michigan? Oh, okay, well, now go play Northwestern and then take another week off. Right? That, 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 that's got to be impossible. Especially when nobody can see each other. You're doing everything over Zoom. How are you supposed to build and develop an offense and work in a new quarterback when you got to take two weeks off? It's got to it's be difficult. And defense, I get it. Defense is more simple. You just show up and you play. Right? You react and you adapt to the opposing offense. That's a little bit more simple. And Jim Leonard's defense, I mean, you got, you got to give Jim Leonard's unit credit. They haven't given up double-digit points other than 11 to Michigan. I mean, they, They've been great. They gave up 14 to Indiana. That's a really good offense, even with a backup quarterback. They gave up 17 to Northwestern, which is very winnable. They gave up 11 to Michigan and 7 to Illinois. Like, this defense has been nails all year long, despite the start and stop. But I understand that. Because defense, theoretically, is more simple. Right? Do you know the expression, like, when you're talking about uh, field quality, or in basketball, for example, you, you talk about on a slick field, the offensive player has the advantage because they know where they're going. Right, the defender is reacting and adapting. Well, this season, defense might have an advantage because the, the defense doesn't need to know where he's going. You just show up and react to what the offense is doing. right? And Jim Leonard's a great coordinator, got some great players on this defense, so they'll figure it out. All they have to do is react and adapt to what they see. In offense, you, you got to build and, and elaborate right, and, and, and continue to grow and foster new ideas and new and build on what you've done all season long. Defense, man, just show up. New week's a new week. All right, now we're playing Rutgers. We know what they do. Go out and stop it. Oh, now we're playing Illinois. Ah, we watch tape on them. We know what to do. Just go out and stop it. Defenders just have to show up, play loose, fly to the ball, right? And if you're talented, you're well-organized, you're disciplined, it, it, you'll figure it out. Offense is a little bit more complex. And I would imagine start and stop and start and stop. It's really difficult to build an offense. It's not like they have a senior quarterback. It's not like Jack Cohen's out there or Bart Houston. I God, I love Bart Houston. Man, if they had Bart Houston, who I guess only started for like a year or two, that's probably a bad example. Let's say they had uh, Joel Stave. Joel Stave is a much better example. Got a couple of seasons under his belt. Well, then it might be a little bit easier because, because you're not relying on meetings and practices as much. You have that, that basis of knowledge and experience. Grammerts doesn't have that, right? Some of these players, like, like Kendrick Pryor, who Joe Tessitore kept obnoxiously calling KP Pryor on the broadcast. Like Kendrick Pryor is being a number one receiver right now for the first time. Jalen Berger is being a lead back for the first time. They had a true freshman center in there. If they had an experienced offense with a lot of veterans, okay, well, sure. 
Sure. Then you can afford to take a pause here and there. But, I mean, why do you think they're feeding Ferguson and Stocky? Because those players have been there. I know a lot of you were ticked about the fullback plays with Mason Stocky, but, I mean, do you want to give it to a freshman? Or do you want to give it to a guy who's been in this program and, and has been around the block a couple of times, especially with all these pauses and cancellations and mispractices? I'm not making excuses for the Badgers. I'm making explanations. And this is a tough scene. I mean, they lost their number one corner. Think of mentally what that does to a team. When one of your best players just says, this is no longer worth it. And I don't fault Rashad Wild Goose for that at all. I don't fault players for opting out. Right? But mentally, that's got to be tough. That's got to be mentally tough on the players that are still there. And these are some tough circumstances, especially for offenses. And it stinks. It's a bummer, but I don't know if it's worth our time getting upset. I, I don't think it's worth it. Oh, this is a, an, an abomination to our state. Oh, it's a tough season. Take a pill. Get excited for basketball because that team's pretty good, despite what they showed on Friday against Marquette. And I will talk about Badgers basketball coming up at 530. I know my takes were horrible and nothing that I predicted on Friday came true. In fact, quite the opposite. And that's embarrassing. That's a bad look for me. And I will own that coming up at 530. So make sure you're staying tuned. Coming up next, I want to take a broad look at the rest of the NFL and some funny, ugly losses yesterday. There's some really ugly, bad look losses yesterday. And I want to talk about a couple of them. We'll get back into the Packers coming up after five o'clock as well. Solid Wisco Sports Show tonight. We have a lot to talk about, so don't go anywhere. More coming up after this. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Hope your week is off to a great start. Certainly wasn't a perfect weekend for Wisconsin sports. Also, I'm not really sure when I became the ambassador for Badgers Sports. Right, like I'm, I'm getting Facebook messages from friends and relatives that I haven't seen. I mean, I'm getting, I'm getting tweeted at by people I've never met. It's like, hey, tough loss for the Badgers, huh? It's like, when did I wait, tweet at them? Like, if you're really that mad, don't tweet at me. I'm a Badger fan, just like you. Why are you, why are you, why are you all attacking me? I didn't like them losing to Indiana on Saturday. That sucked, especially because it took like six hours. Like, that's the worst part of college football. Halftime's like an hour and 15 minutes. We got to watch the same six commercials a hundred times. I, just, I don't know why these Badger losses were so personally assigned to me. At least the football loss. The basketball loss, we're going to talk about that right now. I feel why maybe some of you turned on me with the Badgers loss. That's my bad, okay? I might be. I, I take full responsibility. 608-796-2558. That's the talk and text line. You can also tweet at the show, at Wisco Grant. Now, we have a new caller, it appears, on the talk and text line. Hey, welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. What's going on? Where the hell's the football game on TV? Uh, on TV, it is not nationally broadcasted. Uh, th- this is a regional game, so it's on Fox in like some weird places. You got to remember that Steelers Washington is not actually a it's not a great prime time matchup, so it's regionally broadcasted. Tonight's game will be on ESPN, but the game right now is I think you'd probably have to buy some package in order to see it. Okay, thanks. Yep, you're welcome. Any other questions? We got we got any programming questions, TV questions? Just hit me up. I should have told him. I was like, "Well, you could illegally stream it," <laughs> but I don't know. I'm not. I'm not giving out that advice over there. Yeah. If you, if you have any programming questions, where to see the game, how to get tickets, I yeah, hit me up. I'm I'm a resource. Six zero eight seven nine six two. You know what? Don't don't call me. With, never mind. I take it back. I don't know anything. Let's talk Badger basketball. They lost to Marquette sixty seven sixty five, and I'm quite aware. Then on Friday's show, both in the morning, in lacrosse here on WKTY, and on this show, I had some bad takes. 
and I and I want to atone for them right now. First of all, you understand. I'm always honest with you on this show. I would I tell you how I feel. All like it, it's not to be entertaining. It's not to try to be funny. I'm always honest on the show. If I miss a game, I tell you. It's like, yo, I didn't see this game on Saturday. I had to read about it afterwards. Didn't see it live. I was doing this. Never going to lie and be like, oh, yeah, great game. I was watching it with a... No, I won't lie. If I forget a score or if I forget a statistic, I will just admit that to you. All right, sorry. I don't remember the score. Let me pull it up. Right? What was the Packers score again yesterday? Oh, that's right. 30 to 16. Good thing I have it in front of me because I'm prepared. All right, I'm a professional. Right? I don't remember everything. I don't know everything. I don't see anything. And I, I'm open. I'm honest. And I tell you. And I hope that my honesty on this program leads to a uh, a genuine relationship where we can trust each other, right? You know that if I'm saying something about the Badgers, it's because I believe it, right? It's not to try to be annoying. It's not to try to, to be interesting or get people riled up. It's what I feel, right? Can we understand each other? I hope that this is an open and honest relationship, all right? And it is with this honesty and openness that I admit to you last Friday, okay, I messed up. I blew it. It's not my proudest moment. And I will admit that I didn't sleep great this weekend because of it. Okay, I had some bad Badgers takes, some horrendous takes. All right. On Friday morning on the WKTY morning show, I said Wisconsin would roll Marquette. I said they beat him by double digits. And I was shocked that the line was only four and a half. I thought Vegas was drunk, stoned and out of their mind because the line was only four and a half. And I backed it up. All right. I said Badgers are going to win. Watch it. They'll blow out Marquette. They should beat up Marquette. I don't care that it's at Pfizer form. There are no fans. I don't care. I don't care. The Badgers were going to win double digits, and I thought the line was insane. I was very confident about that game, and there was no showmanship involved there. Sorry I have confidence in my team, okay? And, of course, the Badgers end up losing, and I get attacked online. Look, I'm sorry. All right, sometimes I miss. I'm sorry I love my teams, okay? I'm sorry I want to see them win. Sorry I'm confident in them. I'm sorry. Is that what, is that what you wanted to hear? Do you want me to come on admit that I was wrong today? Because I was very wrong. I was very, very wrong. All right, I thought Wisconsin was going to win by double digits. I thought the line was bad. I thought four and a half was a bad number. Turns out Vegas knew on this one. That's how it goes. You win some, you lose some. Quite literally, that is how sports go. You win some, you lose some. And I apologize for that bad take on Friday, and I will atone for it. I will be wrong again, and when I am, I will admit it. I won't try to spin it. I won't try to spin it in a way that makes me say, no, I was wrong. And I got lectured about my gambling acumen. Grant, that line is perfect. Grant, it's a rivalry game. Grant, it's in Milwaukee. Of course the spread is only four and a half. Grant, Grant, this, Grant, that, blah, blah, blah. Grant, Vegas knows. Vegas is always right. Really? Really? Is Vegas always right? Then explain to me how the Badger football team, who were 13 and a half point favorites, lost outright on Saturday. And they didn't even score a touchdown. They didn't even get in the end zone. Vegas always did. Did, did Vegas get it right on Saturday? Huh? Did they? Did Vegas know on Saturday? No, they got that one wrong. Sometimes the house gets it wrong. Sometimes I get it wrong, okay? I wish I would have planted my flag on the Badgers would lose to Indiana Hill on Saturday, but I didn't, okay? I misjudged. It was very bad. I thought the Badgers would blow out Marquette and it would be a celebration and we could all talk down about Marquette, about how we don't care about them and how they're not really a rival and we never think about them and they don't matter because they're Marquette, but that's not how it went. And I apologize, I do. I'm true. I'm tr- truthfully wrong. I will try to be better moving forward. Now, I still don't think that Marquette is Wisconsin. I don't think it's a rivalry game for Wisconsin fans. Now, I saw some of you on Twitter who disagreed with me. I saw some of you texted the show disagreed. It is a rivalry game, Grant. Well, 
on the broadcast on FS1, they called it the I-95 rivalry, which just goes to show that it's this fake manufactured thing, at least in my mind. There is a, an Interstate 94 rivalry. That would be the WEAC Division Three rivalry between UW-Stout and UW-Eau Claire. And it's not called the I-94 rivalry. It's called the War on 94, which is a much better name, which speaks to how much better that rivalry is than Wisconsin and Marquette. Now, I know some of you disagree with me on that, and that's fine. If you feel like Marquette and Wisconsin is a rivalry because of where you grew up, because of what team you cheer for, that's your thing. That we all are fans in different ways. We all cheer and watch sports differently. If you think it's a rivalry, hey, I take my hat off to you. Tip of the cap. I don't feel that way. And you know what? This is my show. Okay? This is my show. So it's still not a rivalry. Why? At least in my case. Because Marquette fans are going to watch that highlight reel for the next 360 days. Marquette is going to watch videos of their win, 67-65, over the Badgers for the next year. They're going to get off on it, okay? I've already forgotten about it. I don't care. Marquette, I don't think about you. That game means nothing to me. The Badgers are 3-1. and one. They're still going to be ranked in the AP Top 25. Marquette maybe will crap the Top 25. And you know what? Maybe they'll get their first tournament win in, like, my entire lifetime under Woj this upcoming. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, things are looking up for you, Marquette. Yeah, great win. Good win. I don't think about you. This is not this is not a rivalry game to me. Maybe you disagree. If you're in Madison, maybe you're you're closer to the situation. Maybe maybe you disagree. You're from Milwaukee. Maybe you disagree. That's fine. All right, we can agree to disagree. Now that I've got all that out in the air, all right, and we understand each other, let's talk about the actual game. I have two takes, both of which I believe in fully, and do not say for the sake of content or shock value, as maybe I was accused of last Friday with my confident pick of the Badgers at Pfizer Forum, which. I'm sorry, did not turn out to be true. Take number one, Johnny Davis or Jonathan Davis is going to be their best player in short order. I'm not sure if it happens this season. I think next year, I think he's going to be their best player by the start of next season. I, John, do you not see it? It's not my bias, right? It's not because I'm in lacrosse and I watched him play. Like, he has it, right? Like, Badger fans, we, we agree on this, right? You, you watch him. He just shows it in flashes when he comes off the bench. He's he's a dog. He's a killer, okay? And that's nothing against Demetri Trice, who I like a lot. That's nothing against Brad Davison. I wish Brad Davison maybe would have had more than four points. Maybe make a field goal, right? Like, Brad Davison got all four points at the free throw line. I like Brad Davison. I like Micah Potter. I saw some people tweet at me and text me and say Micah Potter played soft. I, I'm not going to use the S word on one of my athletes on one of my favorite teams. Nate Reavers, I like I like Aleem Ford. I like this Badger team. When I compliment Johnny Davis and say that he will be one of their best, if not their best player in short order, it's not a rip on any of their five starting seniors. That's how much I like Johnny Davis, right? Some players as freshmen, you never know they were there, right? They're buried on the bench. They don't suit up. They're hidden. Johnny Davis announces his, he's aggressive. He comes out onto the floor. He makes you notice him. He's great. He had 12 points on Friday night. I know they lost, let Marquette celebrate. Badger fans, don't care. don't worry about this loss. In two months, I'm going to forgot they even played this game. Right? I know that goes against everybody. Everybody who thinks it's a rivalry game, I know that flies in the face of all logic. I, I don't care. I don't think about this game. I don't care about this game. And Johnny Davis, I, he's a killer. He's a killer. He's aggressive. He's long. He's athletic. He can defend. And for the way the Badgers are using him right now is off the bench in minutes here and there. He's perfect for it. And I told you that before the season started because he can do a little bit of everything. If there was a jack-of-all-trades, come-off-the-bench player on this team, it's Johnny Davis. He's been excellent, okay? And I think by the end of the season or next year, he's going to be one of their best, if not their best players. 
We can come back to that take. I'm excited to see how it plays out. Take number two. And this is something I talked about when I joined the WK2I Morning Show here in La Crosse at 8.30, as I do three times a week for a little something we call the G-Spot. I know it's, it's clever. This is my big takeaway from Friday night, and it's a takeaway I've had with this Badgers team before. It's kind of one of my greatest hits. If you had a Grant Bills Wisco Sports Show greatest hits album, this would be like track number six or seven. The Badgers are always the experienced team, right? They start five seniors. I think if I'm remembering it off the top of my head, could be wrong. This is the first time they've done that since 2001. I know Zach Heilprin, our friend from the Wisconsin Sports Zone, could tell me that instantly. I think it's 2001. They're starting five seniors for the first time in a long time. Not a lot of teams can do that, right? The Badgers are experienced, right? They should have chemistry. They should have poise. They're a fundamentally based team and a fundamentally based program. I love that about the Badgers. But if that's what you're going to build your program on, experience, fundamentals, smarts, then you can't be out-executed in the final minutes of a game. In the final 30 seconds of a close game, the Badgers need to be better than everybody else they play because they play seniors, because Wisconsin preaches defense, smart defense, don't foul, right? Make your free throws. If that's what you're going to plant your flag on, you need to be good in the closing minutes of a game. You need to be good down the stretch. You need to be comfortable, right? I didn't get the impression that the Badgers were comfortable down the stretch in this game, right? And Demetri Trite, you need to be smart enough as a senior on Wisconsin, nonetheless, to not allow the officials to have an influence on the final possession of the game. You can't gamble and try to take a charge. You need to force that player to pull up and take the jump shot. And yet that was a mistake the Badgers made. This is what sometimes drives me crazy about the Badgers. I'm okay if they're not flashy. I'm okay if they don't shoot great from three. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay if they win ugly. That's what they're really good at, playing tough defense, getting to the free throw line. But if that's the way you're going to play, you need to be really, really good. And you need to be really buttoned up in the closing minutes of games. And Marquette has not exactly been the epitome of fundamental, right, and and sound. That's not what they are. They're not well-coached. They're not fundamentally sound. And yet they out-executed you in the closing minutes of a, of a quote-unquote rivalry game. That can't happen. So that's something the Badgers got to get figured out. I remember a couple of years ago that was happening. Remember when they blew that game to Iowa? Would have been the spring of 2017. Remember when they melted down at the end of the game? And I was so ticked. I remember, I remember doing a podcast that week talking about this exact same thing. I was like, look, if you're going to be the boring, fundamental-based team, boring in a good way. I don't, want it, I, want, I don't want that to come across as a rip. Boring in a good way because you do the fundamentals. You do the, the tough things that other teams don't do. If that's the kind of team you're going to be, great. But you need to show up and be comfortable and poised, and you need to execute well down the stretch. And the Badgers didn't do that on Friday. Sometimes they have issues with that, and that's something they need to get buttoned up. That being said, they're 3-1, and one, they're only four games in, and they're only going to get better, okay? Can we, can we come to some sort of a consensus on the Badgers? Once again, I'm sorry for telling you to bet the house on the Badgers against Marquette. If I tell you to bet money, never bet money. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. It's, it, that. That's for the sake of show, showmanship, right? If I tell you to bet $1,000 on a game, don't actually bet the 1000 That's showmanship. I did think the Badgers were going to win. I'm surprised they lost, and I'm frustrated with the way that it happened, as I just you know explained to you. Let's take a break. I have a question for you about college football. I truthfully need advice because I'm conflicted. I'm not sure how to feel currently about college football and the way it's trending towards the college football playoff and towards, you know, New Year's and whatever we do for bowl season. We'll talk about that. Wrap up the Wisco Sports Show for the day. Coming up next.